Thank you, Zachary, and good morning, everybody. It is indeed a joy to be here, to be worshiping together on this dreary Lord's Day. In our Sunday school class, I enjoyed the lesson. We didn't get over it. Leonard said he was, would have liked to have time at the end for some practical, you know, and examples of, of how this might happen today. The sections, right intentions, wrong methods, and then God's way. Well, the message today sort of fits into one of those ways that this can happen to us. We have good intentions, but we use wrong methods, and God does have a way that he, wants it, that he really wants it done. In 2 Timothy 3.16, a very familiar verse, says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. In 2021, do we believe that? Do we apply all scriptures to our lives and practice them? Or are there some that we overlook? Are there some that we... Well, disregard, uh, we, we know it's there, but we really don't apply it uh, to our lives. It's easy to see other people's faults, and uh, we're all good at that, I think, at least I am. And just a few little examples, the other day I'm coming up 772, and I'm used to seeing tractors with steel wheels when I get in Lancaster County, and uh, kind of question you know this is seems seems strange what you know all the, I know some of the thought process behind that but the other day I'm coming up 772 and here's a huge John Deere combine out combining corn with these huge steel wheels on and I'm like I never saw that before I'm like oh my and you know a large machine you're thinking of, of compaction and all that and it, to go to all the work to make these large steel wheels for on the combine I'm also I have lots of questions when I see and I've talked about this before, 1 Corinthians uh, 11, the prayer veiling, and also how men are not to cover their heads. And when I see hats worn, not for, not for weather protection, but for a religious symbol. Uh, that's not what the scripture teaches, and I think we see that quite often. So I, I'm seeing this in, in other peoples, in other groups and what have you, and have questions, but what about me? What about us? What are, are there things that we are overlooking? What is one of the most tolerated sins among Christians? And this is just gets really wide. What's one of the most perceived sins uh, among Christianity? I was asked a number of months ago to share this message for another district in Keystone, and the message given to me was gluttony, definition and implications. Gluttony, and it's uh, my guess is I would have never done this had, but I was asked, and so I started studying. And it's easy to preach something when you were asked to do it. You can say, "Well, you asked for it." You know, here's what the Bible says. Here's here's what it is. And uh, but it was really good for me to study and prepare the message, and it's a very uh, sensitive topic. When uh, when I went to share the message that night. Uh, afterwards, one of the pastors said to me, he said, I have a confession to make. He said, I knew what the message was going to be tonight. And I said to my wife, must we go? And it, it just gives you an, uh, an, an idea of how it affects 
many people, and it's not something that is, is pleasant to talk about. But our, our God knows us better than anyone else knows us, and he knows what is good for me. He knows what's good for you. And just like we need a day of rest, like we're experiencing today, he knows that it's important that we're not gluttons. And so he warns us in the scripture and, uh, and tells us that we, we should not do this for our own benefit. He's not, he doesn't tell us not to be gluttons for, uh, for his glory or what have you, but it's for our own benefit. Don't do it. He knows that we need food. He wants us to enjoy food, but he limits it for our own good. It reminds me a lot of the Garden of Eden where uh, Adam and Eve are told, enjoy everything except there's a tree here in the middle of the garden. Don't touch it. And so it's the same with food. We love food. We enjoy food. But for our own benefit, God limits it. We joke a lot about uh, being bald or going gray. They are things that, uh, a lot of jokes about that. But when it comes to uh, being overweight, uh, gets a little touchy. Not too many people joke about that. It's like, nah. Different times, uh, I turned gray very young, and then the gray went to white, and I've heard lots of comments made, people teasing me about it. And it doesn't bother me. You get used to it. But at the same time, different times, I, I said to Marion, I wonder, if, I wonder what they would have said when they teased me if I would have said, oh, yeah, you put a few pounds on, I see. You know, that's like, oh, you don't go there. You don't touch that. And it's just interesting to note that because going bald and going gray are something that you cannot control, but being overweight can be controlled. And that's touchy. We don't, we don't talk about that. In, in 2021, we have problems that Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and Mary and Martha did not have. We, we face things they didn't face. We have Diefenbach potato chips. We have snack food. We have so many things to eat at our fingertips that they didn't deal with. And it's hard, it's hard for me to get my mind around that, but they, they worked hard to prepare their food, and they had their basic foods, and that was it. And most times, build a fire, and, and there's a lot of effort put into, into making food, and they didn't reach for the chip bag. And so we face challenges they didn't face, and we need to, we need to understand that. They didn't have soda. They didn't have candy. Uh, and also the other thing was they tended to probably work very hard compared to many of us today who may sit behind a desk or behind a steering wheel or have jobs that don't involve the kind of, of physical labor that they had. Another reason that this is a tough uh, topic to address is that most faults can be hidden to a degree, but gluttony, uh, if, it's, if, if it's practiced a lot, uh, cannot be hidden. It'll show up. 
And so it's like, uh, you can't hide it. And another reason is that life isn't fair. My mom taught me that early on. She said, Lester, you know, life isn't fair when I was whining as a little boy. And it's still, it's life isn't fair. It's simply life isn't fair. We all have this thing called metabolism. And some of you all have metabolism that goes 90 mile an hour and mine's at about 25 mile an hour. And as you get older, it slows down. That's, it's, and that's who we are. We have a metabolism. And so we have to be understanding of that. And there's also this thing called genetics. Uh, there it is. Life isn't fair. And there's, uh, as I already mentioned, age. As you get older, your metabolism slows down. And if you keep eating what you were eating when you were 20, you're going to get really, really big. We have this thing called medications. Uh, some people, uh, depending on what for illness you might have or what have you, a doctor might put you on medicine. And the medicine, one of the side effects is to gain weight. And for ladies, uh, pregnancies, there the doctor encourages you to gain weight for, until the baby's born. And so there's a lot of things involved. And just put it under the title, under the topic, life isn't fair and we all need to deal with what we were given. So we're thinking about gluttony. First of all, a definition. The definition is actually very basic. In Hebrew, the word glutton means to live loose morally or to be a riotous eater. Think about that, a riotous eater. Well, you know what, if you're, if you're in a riot, you're out of control or you're you're uh, rioting, a riotous eater. In Latin, the definition means to gulp down, like to just gulp down food very fast. I think a verse that really applies here and helps me understand the word gluttony. In 1 John 2.16, it says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and then it, the lust of the eye and the, and the pride of life. But the lust of the flesh just really explains the word gluttony to me. Uh, I like the Bible commentary. Uh, Barnes comments on, on it like this. He says, the lust of the flesh here denotes that which pampers the appetite or all that is connected with the indulgence of the mere animal tendencies. A large part of the world lives for little more than this this is the lowest form of worldly indulgence. We are called to a higher standard. Now, just think about that. He says, the, he calls it the, the lowest case of animal tendencies. We have this black cat, and that's all she does. She eats. And she so desperately wants her food, she jumps up in our window at the... At a, in her kitchen, and it's, it's a pretty big jump, and she's overweight, but she gets up there, and she will prance around up there till we go put food in her cat dish. And a lot of times, you go to put food in her cat dish, and there's already food in her cat dish. And she'll jump down off that window, and she'll pounce on that food, and she just, it's, it's like all this girl lives for is food. And it is a, it's a tendency of most animals, they just, they want food and they want it now and they just want to eat and eat and eat. 
And so it's just an interesting uh, observation that, that Barnes makes. And for you and I, it's, it's mashed potatoes and pizza and cookies and what have you. And when, when we look at it and we see it and we smell it, we, we want to eat it. And then we're not sure uh, when the battle starts, the lust of the flesh, it's there for us to enjoy. But when we overeat, we have given in to the lust of the flesh when we eat too much. So a, a simple definition of the word gluttony would be to eat more than necessary. Is it a blemish on our character? Yes, it absolutely is. Is it sin? Yes, it is. And the Bible clearly lays that out. Let's go to Deuteronomy just for a little bit of background in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verses 18. And this is a, kind of a story like we had in our Sunday school lesson this morning where it's like, really? This is really the kind of punishment? And here we are in this Old Testament setting in Deuteronomy 21.18. says, If a man have a stubborn and a rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of the city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of the city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of his city shall stone him with stones that he die. So shall they put evil away from among you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. And in verse 20, it, the four words that stand out to me there are stubborn. This was the son's sin. He was stubborn. He was rebellious. And he was a glutton and a drunkard is the way this son is described. And the punishment was that he was, he was to be stoned. I also want us to note in, this, in the Old Testament here where it, it says, it links it together. It says he was a glutton and a drunkard. And there's various places in the Old Testament where it links the two together. In, uh, for example, Proverbs 23, 21 says, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty. The drunkard and the glutton. And I think it's important to just stop for a minute and think about uh, how the Bible links these two together. As, as Anabaptists, we have always dealt with, uh, very well with alcoholic beverages. We do now. In the past, maybe not so much. Uh, we, don't, we, don't, we encourage people to abstain from alcohol. It's the safe thing to do. However, the Bible does not forbid the use of alcohol. You can study the Bible through and through. It does not forbid the use of alcohol. Uh, in fact, Jesus turned water into wine, and many times we explain that wine in Bible times was what not nearly as strong as it is today, and there is an element of truth to that. There really is. But there's also lots of examples in the Bible of, of where alcohol was definitely very strong and people got very drunk from drinking alcohol. And so the Bible does not 
forbid the use of it, but it gives many, many warnings against the use of alcohol. And it says how dangerous it is and bad things can happen. And it, what it condemns is the drunkard. The person that overuses alcohol is it, the verses I read, the drunkard and the glutton. It links them together. And so it's easy, as Anabaptists, we say, you know what, alcohol is bad. We don't need alcohol. Stay away from it. Don't drink it, and you'll never be a drunkard. And so that's good. And I support that. However, we can't do that with food. We'd all die. We got to eat. And so it's easier to deal with alcohol than it is to deal with, with food. I, I also believe that in Bible times, uh, alcohol was used in, in a lot of times for medicine uh, purposes, whereas today we have modern medicines and, and it's simply uh, not used. Uh, in, in this message this morning, I think another thing that's very important, and I want to practice it, if at all possible, and that is that I want to have balance. We need to have balance in everything, and I want to do that uh, in this message. At the same time, I want to be faithful to Scripture. So let's go to 1 Corinthians and chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. As we think about gluttony and the implications of gluttony. First of all, uh, maybe I should say this. The consequences of a pattern of gluttony are overweight to obese. Let's get that Let's get that straight. Gluttony is not necessarily the same as being obese. I believe gluttony, I, I'm positive, that gluttony is a sin that all of us have committed. The definition of gluttony, gulping food down, eating food that we absolutely did not need, and eating too much food, we've all committed that. We've been, uh, I've been guilty of that many times. But a pattern of gluttony if we, if we have a pattern of gluttony in our lives, we are going to, go, we, we are going to either you have a, a metabolism that's racing or else you're going to go from being a little bit overweight to being obese. And it shows up. Uh, we don't become like that without practicing uh, gluttony, eating too much. It, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so as Christians, born-again believers, God's Holy Spirit dwells in this tabernacle, lives in this house. It's where God lives. And so, I believe that very reason, it's very, very important that we take care of this house because God lives in it. In 
Let's turn a few pages to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verses 31 and 32. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. And so there we have a, a basis for, uh, for not being a glutton and for being uh, careful of, of what we eat because God dwells in this tabernacle. Now we're going to think about implications, and I want to think about three areas this morning. Implications of being a glutton. And the first area is implications towards God, and then implications towards others, and then implications towards ourselves. And the first one, implications towards God, in the verses I read here in 1 Corinthians, uh, I could simply put it this way, God does not appreciate a messy house. When Marion and I know uh, we like to, we live in our house, it's not, uh, uh, we live there. And you all know what it's like when you live in a house. But when there's company coming, uh, it's time to tidy up around here and it's time to uh, uh, do some things that maybe we wouldn't have done if, if company wasn't coming. And so as, as believers, we have company all the time. The Holy Spirit lives within us, and he doesn't appreciate a messy house. And it's important that we take care of ourselves because we have a valued and a treasured guest at all times. Can you even imagine, we read Bible stories, we read children's books, we see pictures of Jesus, and uh, have you ever tried to imagine an overweight Jesus? It, it doesn't work. We see Jesus ministering to people. We see Jesus, and we just, you just can't imagine this chubby Jesus. Uh, he wasn't that way, and uh, it, it's a, a very good role model for us. So implications towards God. We are the temple of God. It is very important we have this treasured and valued guest living within now, implications towards others. We are known far and wide as believers, and especially as Anabaptists, we are known as people of the word. We follow the Bible. Uh, one of the most oft, often asked questions is us, uh, asked of us is because of uh, our sister's prayer veilings. People say, why do you wear that? And we say, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Bible says, and they're like, oh, Ah, I knew that's there. Most of them would acknowledge, yeah, okay. Boy, you really, you really take that serious. So now suppose, uh, suppose that we're sharing that with somebody and, and they walk away and they say, and, and we're nice and, and healthy and fit and trim and not overweight. And they say, wow, that's really impressive. But suppose I'm way overweight. And they walk away and they say, well, apparently they read 1 Corinthians 11, but they never read about gluttony because, you know, it ruins our testimony to a degree. And it's like they, they might be people of the word in that area, but over here there's, uh, there's some, some questions. As a, as a young pastor, 
which was a long time ago. I was uh, taking a, a class on sermon preparation, and this, this person who was giving the class said, you know, and he was giving us all kinds of tips on, on preaching and what have you, and he said, and then he talked about our pulpit mannerisms and our hands and all this, and, and he said, you know, something that really bothers me is overweight preachers. He said, why should I listen to them when they obviously can't uh, even control their own weight and, I, and they're telling me how to control my life and how to apply the scriptures to my life? And he said, that bothers me. And did he have a point? Absolutely. And so uh, it's important if it, it, uh, it affects others. Personal relationships with family and loved ones, uh, it affects that. Does my gluttony limit my activity in, in the area of work or pleasure? We are called to be role models to others. And so how, is my, uh, how, does, how are my eating habits playing into that? And most importantly, if practice gluttony, is it in any way, shape, or form hindering the furtherance of the gospel? I'm, I'm guessing many of us have experienced this uh, in a place that we're all familiar with, and it's many other places. I don't want to pick on Shady Maple. They do a good job with their food. But you walk into Shady Maple, and it can just about turn you sometimes when you see how many large people are there just indulging in food. So that's, that's one extreme. And there's Shady Maple has great food, and you can go there and eat within reason, and that's, that's, that's wonderful. But then the, the opposite of that is, supposing you walked into a congregation, and you're there worshiping, and you leave, and you're like, wow, these people are, there's just no, no one's overweight. Everybody is, they really uh, doing a great job in, in, uh, in, in the area of, of self-control when it comes to eating. And that would, be a, a, that would be such a testimony to the power of the gospel compared to being uh, a glutton and just indulging in food. Lastly, implications towards ourselves. And now we talk about health. And we all heard the phrase, he's a heart attack waiting to happen. Right, Sylvan? Uh, that's the way it works. We, uh, you, we see people and it's like, wow, that is not good. He or she is a heart attack waiting to happen. They are way overweight. And it's just, from a medical standpoint, it's a terrible thing. Heart disease. Strokes, type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, fatty liver disease, kidney disease. The list goes on and on. Energy levels. It's terrible. The, the implications towards ourselves if we, over, if we overeat. And there's a reason when we go to the doctor's office, the first, either the first or second thing, usually the first thing they do is stand on the, step on the scales and uh-oh, uh what's going on here? And that type of thing. And so there's a reason for it. We are really hurting ourselves in a, in, a, in a terrible way if we are indulging 
in too much food. So the implications are towards God, they're towards others, and even towards the spread of the gospel, and they're towards ourselves. We're hurting ourselves. So why do we do it? Back to that verse in 1 John, the lust of the flesh. We, are, we fight with that every day. It's there. It's just there. We fight with it. And uh, it's, it's important that we, that we get control of it and we, we control the lust of the flesh. We live in a, in a time when uh, we have all these food ingredients available and our, our, the, our sisters, our ladies, our mothers, our wives know how to cook and they, could, they do such a good job and it is so tasty and it's so good and we have to deal with it and we need to have a governor we need to know when to stop. We're in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to chapter 3. To wrap this message up, I want to think about some practical ways of how to stop gluttony. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17. Some very sobering verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 16 and 17. And this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? We talked about that at the beginning here in these other verses in 1 Corinthians. And that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? God says, Don't you know that? And then he says in verse 17, If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And the word defile means to destroy. If any of us just willingly just takes it upon ourselves and, and, we, and we destroy this temple, which God lives in, the Bible says God will destroy him. And that is just a, a very sobering verse. And the reason... I share that verse is, is to help us to understand the danger of gluttony. There, it is very dangerous for us to, to become a glutton and to develop that pattern in our lives where we simply uh, overeat. There's also some verses in, in Philippians chapter 3 where it talks about people who uh, are not minding the things of God and false teachers and what have you. And it says this, it says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly. It's like my cat. Whose God is their belly. They just live to eat. And whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. And so we are, we are, we are encouraged to get our minds off of, of earthly things, off of food, and get them onto heavenly things. So how to stop gluttony? My first point is to understand the danger. It is a dangerous thing. It is a, this is the way God looks at it. It's dangerous to be, to be a glutton and to just constantly overeat and overeat and overeat. The Bible links it with overdrinking and being a drunkard. And I dare say that most of us here this morning would have very little, uh, uh, what's the right word? 
we would have, for a person that's a drunkard, we would be pretty harsh and say, well, you're doing this to yourself. It's your own fault. You don't need to be a drunkard. You know, why did you even start drinking? And you developed into a drunkard. This is a horrible thing. But when it comes to overeating, we're quite a bit more tolerant. And yet the scripture looks at it the same. And there it is. So we need to understand the danger. Another thing, this, my second point is, we need to improve our self-control. Leroy Gaiman always said, the Christian life is a life of discipline. And that's very, very true. The Christian life is a disciplined life. And so we need to, uh, we need to better our self-control in the area of, of eating. How do we do that? It begins where? It begins in our mind. That's where it's at. I know what it's like to put on weight, and, and uh, I know what it's like to think, I, I have to stop this. I have to eat less. I don't want to weigh this much. And I can, uh, I can say, you know, I'm going to be more careful this week. And at the end of the week, nothing. I accomplish nothing. And, it's, and finally, I have this come to Jesus moment where I'm like, this is it. I won't do it. And, and it, it starts up here. It begins in my mind. And uh, a good way of understanding this is I know numerous people that have gone to the doctor and the doctor says to them, you know, if you don't lose weight, you're going to die. And they come home and suddenly they're losing weight. They change their eating patterns, their eating habits, and they're losing weight because the doctor said, you got to lose, either you lose weight or you're going to, or you're going to, I'm going to put you on medicine for diabetes. You have all kinds of bad things looming in front of you unless you lose weight. And then they could, then they can do it. It starts in our minds. It's a mind thing. We have to uh, understand that. Secondly, we need to remove temptations. We can remove junk food. We can not go to smorgasbords. Uh, there's just lots of things that we can do to remove temptations. We can manage stress better so that we don't look at food as comfort food. We all know what it's like to, to have a, a bunch of stress in our life and find a bag of potato chips, not good. You just pound those chips and uh, it's, it's, it's a stress thing. And so uh, try to, to manage stress in your life so that you're not looking for comfort food. Uh, another thing we can do is we can set uh, personal standards. I don't know how it works for the ladies, but I know how it works for men. And uh, that is that men's trousers come in, uh, in waist sizes and they don't, you know, your pants get a little tight, you're at, you're at a crossroads. You can either lose weight or else you can, th there's always pants that are a little larger, they just keep going larger. So maybe you're wearing 30s and you say, well, you know, this is too tight, this is uncomfortable, I'm starting to feel funny walking around like this. Uh, either I lose weight or I buy 32s, what am I gonna do? And uh, it's really interesting. They don't go, men's trousers don't go 30, 31, 30. No, it's two inches. They give you two inches right away. 
And so we have to have personal standards. And it's like, no, I'm going to, when my, if my trousers are tight, I need to lose weight so they feel good again. Uh, the option is ours. And so we, we can have some, some personal standards. We can also have some personal standards in the area of exercise. Uh, exercise goes hand in hand with how much we eat because when we're exercising, we're burning calories. And if I live long enough to retire, one of the things that terrifies me is uh, knowing what will happen to me if I spent more time in my recliner than I do now because uh, I get a lot of exercise with my job and, it's, and I still have trouble and still it would be so easy to gain weight even with the exercise I get. So I can't imagine slowing. If I slow down, I'm going to have to eat so much less. And so it goes hand in hand, but we need to have uh, personal standards in the area of, of what size clothing we wear, or how much we're exercising, and fifthly, we can also, they have these wonderful things called scales. We can measure uh, our progress and, and know where we're at, and some people very faithfully step on a scales once a week, and, and that's, that's the standard, and it, it has to meet a certain standard or you don't eat that, eat that week. And God bless people that, are, that do that. And it, it's also true, and we all know this, that for most of us, some of you are very fortunate and have these metabolisms that are blazing fast. And I've talked to people that say, oh, I couldn't gain weight if I try. God bless you, brother, sister. That's wonderful, but it's, it's not many of us. But, and we, all know, we also know that we can, at least the way I find it is, I can work hard for one month to lose four pounds. It's hard work. And it seems like I can put it back on in one weekend at a cabin. It's like it is, it comes back. It's so fast, and it was so hard to get rid of. And it, it really is, it's, it's hard work. Oftentimes, if we meet somebody that has lost weight, we ask, we ask the question, we say, boy, how did you do it? And it's, it's kind of a funny question because the way they did it was either through exercising more or eating less, probably a combination of both. There is a direct connection to how much I eat and how much I exercise and how much I weigh. There's a direct connection. There are things on the market. There are things out there you can buy and you can do to help in a weight loss program. And some of them can be very beneficial and I'm not knocking them. But it still boils down to how much I'm eating and what I'm eating. There is a difference. Marion and I eat a lot of fish. And you probably look at us and you think, oh, you don't look like you eat a lot of fish, but we do. And it helps. It's, it's, it's a huge difference. I can, I can have a good fish meal and, not, and feel totally different than if I had a, a steak or a hamburger or what have you. It's just, it's so much helpful to, it's helpful to eat some, to change your eating habits. Do it for God. Do it for others and do it for yourself. Let's go to Galatians, Galatians chapter 5, and I want to close with these verses here. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 16. Verse 16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. 
But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies, envyings, murderers, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. And the word temperance means self-control. God is calling each one of us to a life of self-control. And then in verse 24 it says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. So may we be, as God's children, uh, those that work daily or are very diligent about crucifying the lusts of the flesh. And we take seriously the warnings that are laid out in the Bible against gluttony. And that we don't overindulge and wink at it, so to speak, and say it's no big deal. I mean, uh, so what? It, it is a big deal. It affects God. He doesn't want to live in a house like that. It affects others. They see it, and it, it hurts the, our testimony. It hurts the gospel, the furtherance of it, and it hurts us tremendously. It is, uh, it, we're just hurting ourselves. It's just like we're going around kicking ourselves constantly, and it, it hurts us. And like I said at the beginning, life isn't fair. I'm not the judge. Uh, we all have our own uh, metabolism, our own genetics to work with, and God knows and understands all of that. But I really believe that God looks at each one of us and expects us to, at the very least, make a good effort of not being a glutton and to control our eating habits so that it would bring honor and glory to him and that others would be blessed by it, and also that uh, we, we wouldn't be hurting our own personal health. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for the word of God. I thank you for the warning that you give us in the scriptures against gluttony. And we realize that it is a very dangerous thing. And I also realize that you put it there uh, for our own benefit. So help us to heed it, Lord, and to think about it seriously and to apply it to each one of our lives and to make sure that, that we don't turn into a glutton and to control ourselves and the, the flesh that just wants to uh, eat and eat and eat. Help us to control that so that we don't turn into a glutton and become very overweight and hurt you, hurt others, and even hurt ourselves. We know what that your will for us is to live healthy lives and to control ourselves. And we admit, Lord, that in many instances we have failed. We ask that you would forgive us in our failures and help us to do better in the future for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. And uh, Damien, if you could have a song, please. <laughs>